Good morning, world. Welcome to another episode of Zen Dependently Minded. If you are a new or returning listener, I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you're interested in more content like this, it's only going to get bigger and better from here. So stay tuned and make sure you share Zen Dependently Minded with everyone you know because it's the best podcast out there. What's up, guys? I'm back. It's your boy. Complain about everything despite living a very blessed quality of life. In all seriousness, though, I don't complain this much in real life. This is, like, the the most complaining I do. If there's something that, you know, I see that I don't like, I don't understand, I want to ask questions on, or I just straight up think is stupid and wish I could change it or wish it could be different, you know, I usually will ask my girlfriend what she thinks, I'll ask my mom, I'll ask my dad, but besides that, there's not really many people around me that I can... Well, I got a couple coworkers that are <clears throat> around the same age as me, and usually they, they share <clears throat> or express the, a similar sentiment in how I feel on things. But I try to usually keep the conversations and the things that I learn and the things I discover on a topic, like with college. You know, I'm in college. A lot of people around me that are that have graduated are now, you know, posting on social media, they got their bachelor's degree. So I've been thinking about college a lot. And I try to, you know, retain that information. And you know, the conversations that I have, and then I bring them to the podcast. But usually, it's always it'll be like a Thursday, and then I come record the podcast on Monday and Tuesday, and I've forgotten about it, or I just don't care anymore. But anyway, I'm I'm kind of having an issue with the podcast, because I'm torn between, you know, I only recently started this new format where I you know, report news headlines, kind of give my half-hearted but sometimes serious opinion, and then I rant and complain about stuff. That was like the format when I first started, and then I was kind of, you know, I was forgetting to share the piece of culture that I that I really liked and thought you guys would find interest or enjoy or hate or whatever. And, you know, I've kind of fallen, walked off the, the beaten path a little bit, and lately, you know, it's been more more ranting more opinions and complaining and you know just questioning of things and less less news reporting because i'm going to be honest i i've said in the past i will not give an opinion on something until i'm educated on it that's why i haven't talked about the israel and palestine conflict i don't know the history behind it i'm you know i'm trying to take in research and learn new information from People that, you know, are on different sides. I'm trying to trying to learn the facts, but it's hard. You guys know how it is. It's hard. It's really, really hard and damn near impossible. I might say virtually impossible to find a news or independent journalist that doesn't show any bias. Because I was telling my... I have a 14-year-old brother. He's really, really smart. He reminds me a lot about myself when I was younger, except he's confident and I do think he's more intelligent. The dude is, he's destined to do great things. I, I love i love everyone in my family, but um, obviously my 14-year-old brother, he's at that age where I, it's still fresh in my mind being a 14-year-old, coming of age, quite starting to question things in life, starting to, you know, they're shoving college down your asshole and forcing you to decide what you want to be and not telling you all the little things that you learn you know, when you become an adult, things they don't teach you in school. 
I'm really close to all of my siblings, but I'm more close to my 14-year-old brother right now because, like I said, he's in that, he's in that, at that age that is still fresh in my mind. And then the things that he learns, he's passing on to my seven-year-old brother. And my seven-year-old brother is also really amazing, super smart. He's so intelligent, and his intelligence translates to him being naturally funny. He understands people, and he understands what makes people laugh. He's a seven-year-old kid, and he makes some jokes that I'm like, even I have to think about a little bit, and I'm like, wow, there's layers to this. My parents my parents know how to raise kids. I'm, I'm just going to say that. My sister also. My sister is a really talented, amazing young woman. She's only a year and a half younger than me, but she's great. All my siblings are great. But anyways, what I'm trying to say is, I was telling my 14-year-old brother, because he he's, he, I think he's taking a journalist. Well, he's done with eighth grade. He's now going into uh, first year of high school. He's going to be a freshman soon. He was telling me he was in this journalist class, journalism class, and I think basically he was part of that group of kids that made the newspaper, the school newspaper. He was telling me like, oh, I have a lot of friends that, you know, we'll go interview kids and ask them their thoughts, and then my friends will all, they'll, when they publish like an article or an opinion piece in the school newspaper, they'll like slant the quote to kind of fit what they think they should have said, or you know, like they'll, they'll kind of shift the quote to kind of align with what, how they feel on the, on the topic that they're interviewing kids on. My brother didn't understand. He was like, whenever I ask a kid or a teacher or, you know, member of faculty or staff, when I ask him something, I put exactly word for word what they say. I don't want to take it out of context. I don't want to slant it. I want to tell them the facts and let people decide. And I was telling him like, yeah, that's the best way to do it. But in the real world, it's damn near impossible to find anybody that doesn't slant something or show a little bit of bias. Because unless you're, I was telling him, maybe I'm wrong, someone can correct me on this, but you cannot be completely independent as a journalist reporting just the facts if you weren't there to witness them or film them or experience them, experience them yourself. Because when Joe Schmo for independentnews.org is reporting on the Israel-Palestine conflict, unless he was there, you know, on the ground while bullets were flying everywhere, and unless he was a reporter in a room while there were, like, peace talks and political talks and debates and, uh, I don't know, I, I feel like I'm butchering it. I'm a bit retarded today. I had, a like, a long shift earlier this week. I don't know what's going on, but my sleep schedule's all messed up. I'm waking up, I'm feeling retarded, I'm feeling tired, but then when I lay down, my brain's like doing gymnastics, and I, I can't go to sleep. So, I'm drinking coffee, trying to get the cobwebs dusted off, but what I'm trying to say is, unless you were there, what you're reporting as an independent, quote-unquote independent journalist, you're just sharing and forming an opinion off of what someone else reported. And they're going to, and so it's like a game of telephone. And by the time you get to like the ninth person and you're sourcing, you're sorting, uh, you're citing eight different sources before they've sprinkled in a little bit of their bias. So what you're getting and what you're making your opinion off of and what you're reporting has a little bit of your bias in it too. So I'm not sure if what I'm, the way I put it now makes sense, but basically what I'm trying to get at is it's nearly impossible unless you were there to just report the facts because you're reporting 
someone else's interpretation of the facts or only the facts that they think matter or that confirm their bias or go against their bias or whatever. So that's just something, you know, when you're a kid, literally, before your brain is developed, the part of your brain that helps you look in the long term, you know, is not developed yet. But my brother is really, really smart. And it's really great that he's asking these questions because these are questions that I asked when I was younger. And you know how, and like I said in the past, I have great, amazing parents and I couldn't ask for more perfect parents. My parents are a power couple in the sense that when I need to be, when I need the truth, the raw, blunt truth, I go to my dad. When I need, you know, a little more emotional support, which not saying my mom lies to me, but when I need, you know, I need... When I go to when I go I go to my dad of course for advice on how to be a man. I emulate everything that my dad does because he is he is my one and only hero. He's the only person I try to emulate because he's a great a great father, great patriarchal figure. And yeah, so I go to my dad for things, you know, like that. But my dad is not as empathetic as my mom. So if we have a disagreement, my dad can only see it one way. He can only see it he he's doing he 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 has empathy but my mom is more empathetic she's a lot i'm not going to both of them are open minded but my mom is really good at you know giving me whether she even if she disagrees with it this is where i i think i get my empathy from even if i wholeheartedly disagree with the way someone thinks or feels or you know acts or the decisions they make i still am usually able to understand okay i see why they did it you know i disagree and i would never do it that way but i totally I try to weigh in all the factors I can. That's what my mom's really good for. So they're a power couple. No matter the issue, I can usually go to them. But I'm sure all of you guys know, especially if you're the oldest, or if you just have any siblings, there's things you talk about with your siblings that, you know, you feel more comfortable with talking with your siblings versus your parents. Growing up, I was the oldest, and there were a lot of questions I had that I either didn't feel comfortable or I just completely disagreed with my parents' explanation. So I try to, the the you know, the older brother that I didn't have that I wish I could ask these questions to, I try to pose as that figure for my brothers. But I honestly don't remember what I, what I was talking about before I got on this, before I branched off into this topic on, you know, how it's nearly impossible to get news reporting that is completely free of bias because not many people are in the front lines experiencing things. Nobody on CNN that I know of has been in has been in um you know the front lines and witnessing having having bullets and bombs exploding around them for the Israel Palestine conflict. They're just reporting and sharing things that other journalists that are actually there or, or you know that have seen it on I don't know security cameras or whatever. None of them have actually been there, so it's hard. And I'm not faulting them for that. I'm not saying, you know, it's a dangerous job. You know, journalists get a lot of crap because of the bad ones, but journalism is one of the cornerstones of American culture and one of the cornerstones and foundations that have built society in America. And it's the same for other countries across the world. Especially, I mean, I mean in Europe, it's a, it's a, even, you know, like I talk all the time about how I love Europe. But even Europe, you know, they don't have free speech as free as Americans have free speech, if that makes any sense. 
Maybe I'll play this back later. Maybe someone will give me feedback and say, hey, dude, you didn't make any sense at all the entire time you talked. And it's probably the case. I'm just kind of, I'm just giving my thoughts. This is, this is like, this is what I enjoy the most. And that's what I was talking about earlier. I'm torn between doing the news reporting, which is more popular. Statistically, when I look at my numbers, you know, my most popular podcast episodes since I started this podcast a little over a year ago are... Or maybe it's been two years. I don't even know what I'm saying. But the most popular episodes are the ones where I'm like engaging in political talk or, you know, reporting some political news or world news. But I'm being honest, I I have more fun. I feel more comfortable and I enjoy the ones where I just have something I've been thinking about. I speak on it out loud and, you know, I'm not really even getting feedback. I have one friend. Shout out to Hector. Hector is really the only guy who, you know, he's probably not listening to every second of every episode because we're all busy. We're we're all the same age. We're all full-time school, full-time work, you know, trying to figure out life. So I don't I do not get upset if you aren't able to listen to my podcast. We're all adults for the most part. You know, it's 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 hard. You, you if my episodes are usually 40 to 50 minutes long or 30 to 45 minutes long, that's a lot of time. There's only 24 hours in the day. If you're spending most of it doing homework or work or getting to work or getting to school or coming from um, one of those venues, you know, I don't blame you. But Hector, shout out to him. He gives me feedback on a lot of episodes. And besides him, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting, and it's fine. I'm not upset about it. I just, I want to know, like, because when I listen, you know, listening to myself, I don't really do that. It's weird to me. But I'm sure if I play back, I probably can answer my own question. But I just, I would like to know, you know, what episodes are more enjoyable? The ones where, you know, I'm just ranting, sharing my opinions, asking questions, or the ones where I am reporting news? Because I don't want to be a news site. I, it's not my thing. I don't want to have the burden of, that's another thing. From now on, I'm not fucking citing any shit unless it's a statistic that needs to be cited. If there's a fucking news story and you want, you're and you're listening and you want to find out about it do the research yourself the burden is on you if if you get your news from facebook and you don't do any independent research to find out if that was true or if it was half true or if it's a complete fucking lie that's your problem i it's not my job to make sure people are educated and looking up their own research so any topics that i talk about unless it's a statistic or a study look it up yourself because I'm doing all this work just just for people to probably just listen to the podcast and be like, oh, I heard this happened without doing... I could just say, yeah, uh, Sierra Nevada IPA beer is getting sued for for fair use because they uh, stole a, a piece of art from Shrek 2. And people would believe it. And that's completely false. I just made it up because I have a stupid, disgusting IPA beer can in front of me. My, my girlfriend's like had a, a friend that gave her the beers and I, I see why she gave them away because it was probably the most disgusting thing I've ever drank. I don't know how anybody can pretend and continue to lie to themselves that IPAs are good. I'm not a beer drinker. I'm not much of an alcoholic drinker. I like to drink every once in a while. I like to get buzzed. Don't get me wrong. I like the taste of some drinks, a lot of drinks actually. And then once I got here to Europe, I was only 19, but you can buy liquor and spirits at the age of 18, you can start drinking beer and wine with the parent when you're 14. So I experimented 
tried a lot of things. And, you know, I'm not really a beer guy. I wasn't, you know, I tried to, I had a sip of beer in America and thought it was disgusting. And we came here and I'm not trying to brag or be stuck up, but German beer, European beer period is so much more pure. It tastes more, it tastes better. It's more, way more enjoyable than American beer. Um, anyway, what, what am I trying to get at? I, I don't remember what I was talking about. Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, like I was saying, I'm not sure. I know what I like, but like I said, I'm torn between doing what the audience appreciates more and what gets more numbers and exposure and listens and clicks and streams and downloads and whatever. Stuck between that, what's more popular, and then what's what I enjoy the most. Because there are a lot of podcasts out there. The past year, an insane record-breaking amount of podcasts were started, and I know from experience when you get put when you put yourself out on the internet, if you want to retain an audience and keep building your audience, you have to offer something unique. And right now, you know, I'm I've been asking myself why would someone want to listen to a 21-year-old American who hasn't experienced that much life. I have experienced a lot more than other people my age just because my dad's in the Navy and I've lived around the United States and now I'm in another country for the first time, living in another country for the first time, I mean. Why would someone want to listen to 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 me? So that's that's the problem that I'm facing and that's the kind of inner conflict that I've been trying to resolve myself. But I, I think I just really answered my own question. Really, the reason I started this podcast was because, you know, I am, whether you believe it or not, I'm an introvert. If I walk into a room and there's another person that I've never met and I don't know, unless they come up to me and introduce themselves, we're never going to talk. Ever. Unless you approach me and you start talking first, I'm not going to, I'm not going to initiate social commentary. It's just, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm kind of shy. I'm just an introvert. That's what an introvert is. People, for some reason, think that if you're an introvert, you don't know or like to talk. Well, it's definitely not the case for me. I'm an introvert and I love to talk, but you need to initiate the conversation because I'm, I feel that I'm socially awkward. But once you get me going, like I said, I've been told I don't shut up. So I really, getting back to my point, I think I answered my own question. I started this podcast because I enjoy sharing my thoughts and talking out loud. It's, it's a stress reliever for me because, you know, my dad watched the UFC when it first came out. But besides him, and my 14-year-old brother likes to watch the fights with me, and he know, he knows a bit more than, than, you know, he did a year ago. But as far as the UFC goes, you know, I don't have anybody close that I can talk to on a daily basis about the UFC and boxing that are, you know, I don't know people close to me in person that I can talk to that are as into boxing in the UFC as I am. And also, I just enjoy doing analysis, predictions, and discussions, and just giving my thoughts on upcoming fights. That's why I started Independently Minded, so I can just speak out loud on what I think, you know, is interesting and fun, and because I love the sport. And then also, you know, there are things in life that I want to talk about that I have questions on. So I bring those things up, and I... I have the podcast because I genuinely enjoy doing it. I never got into it for the money. That's like, that's like, that's the worst thing that you could possibly do. And the way I see it is if, if, if you, with anything that you do, 
If you get into it for the money, the money is nice. But if you're not feeling fulfilled and you're not, you know, you don't have the enjoyment of reaching a goal that you set for yourself, or you don't feel like you're contributing to someone's happiness or the success of others, or, you know, if you don't feel like you're helping people or giving comfort to people, whatever, it's not the same. I would rather talk about things that I genuinely care about. So yeah, right now, I guess I'm answering my own question. I would rather talk about and continue to do the podcast in a way that I feel most comfortable with and that I enjoy the most rather than, and then just keep doing it and be happy, being happy with it. Yeah, I actually have lost a couple subscribers on YouTube. I don't give a shit about YouTube anymore. I'm, I'm actually really close to thinking about not even putting the podcast on YouTube anymore because it's just so much extra work. The processing for my podcast takes like two hours for some reason. It it takes longer for them to post it on the onto the site than it takes me to record it, edit it, add it to a you know gameplay and have video. It's it's so weird, but I would much rather talk about things that I genuinely enjoy, you know, and might and maybe never make money or that much money or even have a big audience. I'd rather do that than have some someone tell me this is what you say, read from this script, be monotone. Don't show any passion. Don't be happy at all or else we'll shoot you. Um, but we'll also give you a $1,000 check every episode or something. I don't know. That's just that's just me. I know a lot of people get in it for the money and good for them. They, they could use that money, you know, if they use it wisely, they could use it, you know, to bring in other venues of revenue and stuff like that. But that's just what I wanted to start off with. This one I wanted to open with, um, you know. Just bear with me. This is a new format. This is a new type of episode. For the past year, really, it's been only really UFC stuff and boxing stuff. And now it's, you know, commentary. That's what I'll call it. Commentary episodes. So bear with me. If there's something interesting, something I feel educated on, I want to give an opinion on that's happening in the around the world, I will absolutely talk about it. But I'm not going to be like, you know, I'm not going to, not going to, like oh the 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 election in uh, Belarus is coming up and this is my opinion because I don't I don't know and I also don't care doesn't I don't care it doesn't affect me I don't want to be one of those people it's it's too much of a burden to feel like there are people relying on you for news that's a scary thought especially because I don't know what I'm talking about I just give my I have basic understandings of quite a few things like politics and. You know, the way taxes work, the way the government works in the United States. So the election, if there's an election coming up this year in France or Germany or Italy, I'm not going to speak on it because I don't know. I I refuse. I think morally, I should not be, I should be allowed to talk about whatever I want. But morally, just for myself, I'm not going to talk about something I have no idea on and I'm not educated on. That's just how it is. So, Yeah. That being said, this is a perfect segue into my next topic, my next, you know, my first really news headline that I'm going to talk about today, and I'll get to you on that after a word from our sponsor. So I'm sure you guys have heard about this already. Victoria's Secret, famous women's wear clothing company, I guess you could say. So they've decided they're going to get rid of, I forget the names, I think I want to say they're called angels, but they're getting rid of all of their angels which are you know the the really attractive models that they had you know featured 
You know, when you walk past a Victoria's Secret store in the mall, you see, you know, the women in lingerie or whatever and in bras and swimwear and they're scantily clad women in the windows. Those are those are the models that they're getting rid of. I think want to say they're called angels and they're replacing them with Justin Bieber looking girls. And I know a lot of people are really upset about this. Um, you know, a lot of people are complaining about it. They've been talking about it. It's a popular thing that's been brought up. But, you know, I think it's silly that they're having people like, I forget her, Megan Rapinoe is her name. You know, the company's going to do what the company wants to do. And what they want to do, obviously, is to, you know, have a bigger profit margin for this year than last year. And next year, they want to have a bigger profit margin than this year and the year before and the year before. The company is going to do what they think is best as far as money. That's all that matters. People need to stop being fooled when a company pretends that they're doing something, you know, for the good of the people. Or if someone says the good of the people, run. Boycott them immediately. Empty your cart. Don't shop with them ever. Don't get fooled. People start businesses to make money. Point blank, period. People can like, you know, nonprofits are a different story. And they're, they're, of course, are companies that make money that also do good for people. But that's not, that wasn't their intent. That's just a, you know, it's a, it's a positive side effect. Victoria's Secret is hopping on, you know, the corporation business trend of, you know, the idea of body acceptance, which is a great idea. I support 100%. You should love yourself the way you look. The way you feel about yourself should be positive. At the same time, you shouldn't lie to yourself. If someone is obese, they shouldn't hate themselves. The way that I see it, I have a belly. I gained a belly for the first time my entire life, past couple years, I got this belly. And there are numerous reasons behind it. The main reason is that I have not been exercising as much as I should. And I also am obsessed with baked goods here in Europe. And I've been eating a lot of them. The way that I have always, not always, but more recently I've approached, I look at myself in the mirror, I'm not obsessed with what I see, because that's weird, but I don't hate what I see, I don't hate the body that I have, I don't hate the way my face looks, the way I always try to, you know, the thing I always, always try to tell myself is, I love myself, I love who I am, I love what I've grown into being, and, and I'm excited to see, you know, the person I grow into as I get even older, get into my 30s, 40s, 50s. And I hope to, when I'm 90, look back and not have any regrets. When I'm 100, look back and not have any regrets. I look in the mirror and remind myself that I'm blessed and I appreciate what God has gifted me with, what God has blessed me with. But I always seek improvement. I always think no matter where you are, if you seek to improve, you seek to get better at something or improve on something you think needs work, you can never go wrong. You know, never, never stay static. You never want to stay in one spot. Always seek improvement, whether it's learning a new skill, improving on a skill, you know, whatever it is, always seek to improve. That's what I try, try my best with, with myself. And my girlfriend does a great job on it too. But as far as the uh, body acceptance movement goes, like I said, it's great to love yourself, but you should always seek improvement. And when it comes, when it comes to Megan Rapinoe, you know, there could be a lot of people that, you know, that are more, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it, that are, there are women that are more masculine out there than feminine. They don't like pink. They like black. 
They like to have shorter hair. They don't paint their nails. Or they, if they do paint their nails, it's black or whatever. Or they want to have that pixie cut. And maybe they felt like, you know, I don't want to shop at Victoria's Secret because the girls in the windows that are wearing the clothes they sell there, they don't look like me. So I'm, they're, they're thinking to themselves, this is, just, this is just me trying to understand. Obviously, I'm a man. I've never shopped at Victoria's Secret for myself. It's not my thing. I don't wear clothes like that. Um, I have shopped, you know, for my girlfriend there online, but I don't think I've ever actually been inside of Victoria's Secret except for when I was like accompanying my sister when she had to get something there. Um, I'm just trying to see through the lenses of someone, you know, that might want to shop at Victoria's Secret now that Megan Rapinoe is on the wallpaper there. They're going to feel, wow, there's someone that looks like me or feels like me or thinks like me now that is being represented by this company. Now I feel more comfortable shopping there. That's what, that's the type of, you know, new customers Victoria's Secret might be bringing in by putting Megan Rapinoe in, women that look like her in. I think there's someone that, I think it was married to one of the Jonas Brothers, who, you know, I don't know what she looks like. I didn't look into this too much because like I said, you know, when I walk by, especially when I was a kid, I'd be like, ooh, ah, because there's, you know, there's good looking women up there and you you know pe- people it's in our instincts to be attracted to attractive people it's it's you know it's science i've already explained this before i'm not going to go into it again i'm i'm not going to pretend like you guys don't understand basic science that we learned in fourth grade and if you don't it's fine it's not a big deal i just you know i like to i like i've always been interested and i've always found it fun to kind of wonder and look into why you know human behaviors why is this guy quiet why is he really sensitive? Why does this guy hate himself? Why does he talk bad about himself? Why does he put himself down? Why is this girl, you know, obsessed with the way she looks? Why is this girl really rude to people? Is it a defense mechanism? Was she hurt when she was younger? Whatever. It's just fun. It's fun to me. It's really interesting. I really like to see, I really like to look into human behaviors and patterns in behaviors and just kind of, if I can, find out, you know, why people are the way they are, because people are different. And there are always factors that lead to shape the shaping of a person and their personality and stuff like that. What I'm trying to get at is Victoria's Secret, you know, they might lose money, they might lose business, because there are people who are outraged. And of course, another big thing is a lot of models now are out of a job. Who knows how hard or easy it'll be for them to you know, model for another company that's not named Victoria's Secret. But at the end of the day, like I said, the business is going to do what they think is going to bring in money. They're not doing it because they care about Megan Rapinoe and girls that look like Justin Bieber's cousin and girls that look like Justin Bieber. They don't care. They're doing it for the money. But I do think good can come from it. I do think, like I said, people who don't look like your stereotypical Victoria's Secret, you know, consumer or business you know, our customer, you know, they might feel more comfortable and that's good for them. I'm happy for them. But, you know, I don't really have, I'm neutral on this because like I said, there are a lot of weirdos out there, like grown men who are upset at that. They're going to now have posters of other, you know, not your, not your standard or typical. I'm not calling them ugly. I'm not calling. Okay. All right. I'm going to pause my, I'm going to pause here. And make sure I don't say anything I'm going to regret. Megan Rapinoe is not the type of woman that I could see myself with. 
because I already have a girlfriend. But you know, man, I'm it's I'm really walking on eggshells here. Megan Rapinoe's ugly. Period. I don't think she's attractive. I think she looks like Justin Bieber. I've said it quite a few times in this episode. But I don't care if Megan Rapinoe is going to be plastered all over Victoria's Secret. I don't shop there. I don't buy my clothes there. I don't usually even buy clothes there for my girlfriend. We do it online. So I don't I don't see those fucking models. I might see the models on the website so you can see like what this bra looks like on a girl. But I don't care. It doesn't affect me in any way, shape, or form. If I was a girl and I went into Victoria's Secret and I didn't look like Megan Rapinoe and I saw her wearing a piece of clothing, she might not portray that piece of clothing in a positive way because she doesn't really have assets. She she she's she looks like a dude. That's just how I feel and how I see it. And I'm not insulting her. She's annoying in her own way, always complaining about um you know women's pay and sports and stuff. But she fails to realize and understand the basics of supply and demand. There is damn near no demand in, of women's sports. <laughs> that's just like, that's a proven fact. When when the one, like the number one most highest paid girl in the WNBA was complaining about and asking why she's not making LeBron James money, there's like a really short, sweet, and proven, you know, sentence you could tell her. That explains it all. There is no money in the WNBA. There's not enough money. They don't bring in enough revenue and profit to pay you as much as LeBron James gets paid. Because now nobody's watching the WNBA. I'm sorry. Nobody genuinely is watching it. At least not as many people are watching the NBA. So that that's just you know, case in point. Supply and demand. If a billion people are watching the, N- the NBA... The NBA is making money off those billions, of people, those billions of people, so they have more money to go into the stadiums, to get to the teams, and the teams are also getting their own revenue from you know tickets sold and and uh, you know merch being sold and stuff. Like I, I feel like I'm, I'm, it's unnecessary for me to explain this. But yeah, Victoria's Secret firing their models. I feel bad for those models. I'm sure they'll find jobs though, if they're good looking. If they, whatever, you know, their their employee record, their employment record, and their pictures are going to be on the internet. I'm, I hope they can find a job. That's the only concern that I really have. But besides that, you know, the pandering to, you know, black people, Asian people a lot recently, Jewish people, or just, just the pandering by corporations to any, like, any group that has been mistreated or they think has been mistreated or the public think has been mistreated or, you know, whatever. The pandering is annoying. I'm sick of it. But at the end of the day, I, you know, shopping for clothes should not be a political campaign. You shouldn't have to, you know, fight and get into political arguments when buying a bra. The clothing is probably not going to change. The pictures and what the clothing looks like on a person might be a little different. But at the end of the day, if you're shopping for clothes, you know what you want. You know what you look good in. You know what other people think you look good in. It's not a big deal. I think people who are upset about it are like virgins that are mad that they can't jack off in the mall looking at the Victoria's Secret model wallpaper. It's it's not a big deal. I 
I could care less about it. But I just wanted to share. You know, a lot of people are upset. I do think it's silly. It sucks for like younger generation of, you know, teenage boys walking through the mall. They can't ooh and ah at the girls on the wall. But who cares? If you're not buying clothes of Victoria's Secret and you're not being represented, that's a whole nother issue um, that you have to deal with yourself. But yeah, Victoria's Secret got rid of their good looking models, replacing them with Justin Bieber and company. But as far as, you know, news headlines go, you know, there's a couple other things I found interesting. You know, it's very apparent that Joe Biden's cognitive, you know, he's, he's on a serious decline as far as his cognitive abilities go. And it's honestly, you know, a lot of people make jokes about it. A lot of people are like, oh, that's gets what he deserves. He's a blah, 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 blah. To me, it's sad. I, I don't, I don't find enjoyment in seeing the president of the United States, a guy who is, you know, the same age as some of my great grandparents. It's not fun seeing them on a rapid decline because we all know it's, you can just do a really quick Google search of a president, what they look like when they go into office, when they come out, it's such a stressful job and it takes a serious toll on your health. And when you're that old, it's harder to recover from stuff like that. It's harder to survive stress. So it it makes me sad and it makes me, it, it increases my levels of disdain for the Democratic Party and whoever is pulling the strings in the back, in the background behind the curtains and making Joe Biden do all this stuff. It makes me hate them even more because this guy should just be relaxing and living out the rest of his life. Um, I'm not sure if he has grandkids, you know, maybe taking care of his grandkids. I... I'm sure Joe Biden wanted to be president. I'm not going to say that 100% of the things that he does is, um, are not by choice, but it's rough and it sucks to see. I didn't vote for Joe Biden. I'm not a big fan of Joe Biden, but I don't wish anything bad on him. I, I really don't. So, you know, we'll have to see how it plays out. It's going to be really interesting because it's getting worse and worse every week. Um, I thought it was bad around... Before, you know, in the campaign leading up to the 2020 presidential election, I thought it was bad. And it's getting worse. It's going to be interesting to see if he, you know, if he makes it through his term, his first term, if he's going to run again, if someone else is going to replace him. Um, I know a lot of people draw comparisons between first term Ronald Reagan and second term Ronald Reagan. Obviously, I wasn't alive when Ronald Reagan was president. I was born in 1999. But, yeah, honestly... You know, I could get shit for this, but I wish Joe Biden and his family the best. I, I really do. I I disagree with a lot of the choices that he's made, a lot of the promises that he made and might not keep for various reasons. But, you know, like I said, it's, it is rough to see. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But like I said in the past, man, I, along with my family and a lot of other, there are a lot of Americans here in Europe that live around me that work on base, they've been here for 30 years in Europe, and they either got here when they were in the military and got out and stayed here, or they got out in America and flew straight back to Europe. If you're an American citizen, and you live out of the United States, you you are living the best possible life, in my opinion, because you get to have the rights. I get to have all the rights and freedoms that I have as an American, which are undeniable. You can't tell me that you don't have more freedoms as an American as opposed to being a you know a citizen of France or a citizen of Estonia. 
You can't tell me. I know because I've lived out of the United States now, and I see what it's like to be a European citizen. You can't tell me that being an American is not amazing, because it is. Being an American citizen, but living away from other Americans that are stupid, annoying, dangerous, disgusting, filthy, whatever, that's the best That's the best thing. Having all the rights of being an American, all the freedoms of being an American citizen, paired with living in other amazing countries where there aren't as many Americans. It's the it's a cheat code, I swear. I found the cheese. It's like in Destiny when you're fighting a raid boss and you find that spot in the wall where you can do damage to him and not get hurt. That's me. That's me and my family and my girlfriend right now. And that's why I'm sort of refusing to move back to the United States. And luckily I've picked a career path where I don't have to be in the United States. I don't have to even ha- have an office job. Everything that I could do from my job in the future Hopefully, if I, you know, if I do get a job in this industry I'm chasing after, I can do it anywhere. I could, I could do it in North Korea, anywhere, any, well, maybe not North Korea, but anywhere with internet, I can do it. So I don't remember where I was going at with that point, but a lot of people have found the cheese, the cheat code, you know, the strat, the true strategy is to be an American and not live in America. In my opinion, it's not for everybody though. I've met a lot of people who it was fun to visit, you know, they spent three years in Europe, and they got to see a lot of places they want to, and they wanted to go back to Texas, or Colorado, or Washington, or California, I don't know why anyone want to live in California, I've said it a million times, I'm not going to repeat myself, but for me, and my girlfriend for sure, we don't ever plan on leaving Europe, we plan on staying American citizens, and finding a legal way to live in, you know, we're thinking about living in Italy, we're thinking about living in Germany, we could see ourselves living in Spain and Greece, even though we've never been there, I'm pretty sure we'd love it. And yeah, it's it's amazing. I every day I wake up, I open the the shutters from my window and I look out the backyard and I see the beautiful black forest and the blue sky and every single day I feel blessed and grateful to, you know, have woken up to see another day, especially here in Europe. It's it's an amazing and I'm I'm trying to humbly brag, but I'm just saying, you know, I complain a lot, but really, I'm more grateful. I'm grateful 23 hours and 30 minutes of the day. For only 30 minutes, I complain. It's usually on the podcast. And then I I go outside or on my way to work. I look around at the scenery and the countryside and the Black Forest and, you know, everything there is to appreciate about life. I do my best to appreciate it every single day because you never know when, you know, you never know. Something could happen and it could all end tomorrow. And I don't want to look, if it all ended tomorrow and there was an afterlife, I'd be really ashamed to look back and be like, wow, I spent most of my time complaining when really the grass is greener on the side that I'm on right now. It's not greener on the other side. But that all being said, you know, I think, I think that's the end. I think I'm starting to like incoherently ramble and I'm like forgetting, I'm I'm so tired. I'm not understanding what I was just talking about two minutes ago. But hopefully this is a good enough episode. People can enjoy it. They can laugh. They can get angry. Whatever reaction you have, just, I'm I'm hoping to have a reaction. I hope to get feedback. Like I said, if you want to give me feedback, you want to tell me how much the episode sucked, how much you loved it, how much, what you think I could have done better, done more of, done less of, find me on Facebook. Independently Minded Facebook page, find my Independently Minded Twitter account, find my Independently Minded Instagram page, 
Or you can go to anchor.com and send me a voice message. Tell me I'm a piece of trash and tell me to kill myself. I don't care. Just give me feedback. That's all I'm asking. Give me criticism. Give me constructive criticism or crappy uh, criticism. I don't care. Just let me know how I'm doing. Like I said, I think I really honestly answered my own question that I was asking my audience and asking my friend Hector. I think I'm going to, you know, like I said, there is no set format yet for these for independently minded. Of course, there is a set format for my combat sports podcast, which I didn't do one for last weekend because I didn't feel like doing one on this event. It didn't look exciting. I didn't watch the fights. I watched some highlights. It was one of the lesser, you know, UFC cards of the year. But there are some really good ones coming up, so I'm, you know, I'm not going to complain about that. But there is no set format for independently minded right now, these episodes. I'm just kind of throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks, seeing what the audience likes, and I just got to mix what the audience likes and what I like and keep doing it. Because if I was just a news reporting site, I probably would have, or a news reporting podcast, I probably would have already quit. That's just, I don't have that much fun with that. I like to give my opinion on things in the real world that interest me. Besides that, I do enjoy and feel more comfortable ranting and complaining and, you know, giving commentary on stuff. So, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for streaming, downloading, and sharing this podcast. My audience is kind of, you know, I was on a real serious rise for a little bit. And then, like I said, I started to not talk that much about the news and not put news headlines in my titles. And then all of a sudden, I'm getting no views on YouTube. But on all the other podcast platforms, it's kind of steadily declining. But, you know, I was also gone for a little bit. Who knows? You know, I, I'm I'm figuring it out. It's a learning experience. But as always, thank you for the support. Thank you for for listening. Thank you for sharing. And as always, stay safe and stay away from those crazies out there. Thank you. Oh, before I go, one last thing. The piece of culture that I'm going to share with you today is a song by a rapper named Polo G. It's called Bloody Canvas. I'm going to put the direct YouTube link to his channel and to the song. Polo G, I've talked about before, not on the podcast, but with friends and, you know, people in person and with my, you know, in my group chat with my buddies in California. Polo G right now to me is the best new artist, if you want to call him a new artist. He's been rapping for a while, but you know, he's around my age. I really love the music. I love his beats. I love the message behind a lot of his music. I love his flow. I love his storytelling. And he has a lot of different types of songs, but really his his style of music is trap. Lately it's been melodramatic trap, which I really dig. I really love hearing guitar samples uh, guitar synths, piano samples, piano synths and stuff behind a trap beat. I like, I like it. It's, it's fun. I, it really appeals to me. And this specific song is a, it's, it's a really intense, crazy eye-opening story that Polo G shares, you know, through the lyrics about someone that he knew. That's all I'm going to really say. You got to check it out. It's intense. Listen to the lyrics, vibe to the beat. Enjoy. I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening.